On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here again for another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day of the week here on the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, and all of the other major podcast platforms. I think we're on Podbean. So if you listen to us on Podbean, well, thank you. And continue to do so and continue to also follow me on Twitter if you already are doing that. But if you're not doing that, go ahead, go to Twitter, search at Julian Council, click the follow button. And then on Fridays, like today, you can at me or you can slide into those DMs. But don't get crazy now and send me in whatever questions that you have about the Carolina Panthers or any personal questions that you have for me. If you want to ask me anything about myself, I'm sure I'm, you know, willing to talk about that, too. So, yeah, do that. Today's Friday, so that means it's a weekly Friday mailbag on the show. We'll get to those questions here shortly, but first, um, as we know, the Carolina Panthers are 5-7 and seven, heading into this matchup, Week 14, at home, Bank of America Stadium on Sunday afternoon against division rival Atlanta Falcons, who also happen to be 5-7, and seven, and both of these teams, theoretically, are still in sight to make the playoffs here in 2021. Now, Cam Newton did say on Thursday when he spoke to the media, Let's stop talking about that word. Let's stop talking about all the feel-good stories of him coming back to Carolina and Jeff Nixon being one of the few black play callers in the National Football League and it's really only coming on an interim basis. So let's not sit here and pat Matt Rule on the back for asking a black man to be his coordinator because he didn't ask a black man to be his coordinator until Joe Brady, who he didn't even know, didn't work out. So I'm not going to sit here and act as if like this is some sort of groundbreaking thing as someone who's black and, and think that Matt Rule has done such a great thing to push the black man forward. Like, get out of here with that. Good for Jeff Nixon. He got the opportunity. But as Cam Newton also said, the NFL is a results-based business. If they lose, people will get fired and cut. If they win, people will get promotions. So that's the focus. And he said throughout his press conference on Thursday, the focus for him was on the Atlanta Falcons. It wasn't on when he met Jeff Nixon at the combine and his memories there. It wasn't on what's happened in the past and what he did in his preparations last week during the bye week and who he worked with, whether it was Sean Ryan or whether it was Joe Brady. It was Sean Ryan, by the way. Um, That's not important to him. What's important to him is trying to get a win. And Cam talked about I'm 0-2. Now, the team is 0-2 since Cam Newton has come back to be the starter of this team. They're 1-2 since he's came back to Carolina. But Cam Newton, as the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, has not won a game in a Panthers uniform as the starting quarterback since 2018. That's a long time, y'all. That's a long freaking time for an individual who has been maybe as important or more important than anybody ever in the history of this franchise who's played the game, on, who's been on the field. And that's not to take away from anyone else. The Sam Mills, the, not to take away from him or Thomas Davis or Luke Keekley or anyone ever who's came before him. But Cam Newton has an aura about him, that personality, that energy that's so different. And it's something that galvanized the fan base a couple weeks ago. But what has it led to so far? Not much. 
And that's not to say that Cam's not good and to say that the Panthers are doomed forever and the, the situation in Carolina. That's just the facts. That right now, since Cam, Cam has come back, things have not happened the way that we all would have hoped. And he, among all of us, is the most upset about it because he so desperately wants to win a game here in Carolina. And he, in 2019... Two straight games, start off the season where he was injured, didn't work out, and in 2018 where they fell apart in the second half of the season, I don't even remember what the last win he ever had. I guess I could look it up, but I don't, I don't really feel like doing that right now. I'm, I mean, I can try and do it, but I don't remember the last time Cam Newton, as a starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, won a football game. And that is not a great feeling, I imagine, for him and for a lot of y'all out there. So Sunday afternoon is such a major opportunity not just for the Panthers, they try and get to, you know, six and seven and be one and oh this week as Jeff Nixon did the whole Joe Brady thing. We want to be one and oh. And that's also the message that Matt Rule talks about a bit about being one and oh each week and just being focused on the process, not the result. And we hear all this. We hear it all the time. And I know fans are sick and tired of it. But this is the same stuff. And I'm not comparing him and saying that he is going to have success, but this is the same stuff you hear about from Nick Saban, who had an emotional um kind of rant that he went on a couple weeks ago ahead of the Iron Bowl, I believe, um, with his local, the radio show that he always does uh, with Alabama or whatever. And he was just talking about just, you know, the fans being upset about how the team, how they're winning and not blowing people out. But he just talked about always being focused on success and being focused on the process of it and not being focused on the other things. And I understand, like, where he's coming from. I understand where Matt Rule's coming from, too, and what he's trying to instill in his team. And, yes, the message has not gotten through in large parts this season. He said five weeks or five times it's happened this week, this year where the process, where the message has gotten through, while seven times it's fallen on deaf ears. And I wouldn't even say necessarily it's fallen on deaf ears. It just has not worked to the way that they hoped it would in that being a result of victory. But still, it's they're focused on trying to do all the right things, and then eventually the wins will come. So the Carolina Panthers, hopefully, finally this week, have found some level of consistency through practice where – they're doing the right things. They're they're getting down the timing with the receivers with Cam Newton. He has a firmer understanding of the offense and the defense with the rest that they are able to bounce back after two weeks and really just one maybe where they just weren't all that great and they haven't been the dominating unit that we've been used to throughout the course of the season. Yeah, there's not a lot of positivity around this organization, this fan base, and this franchise right now. That happens. You're not winning. There was a great start to the season. The quarterback that they brought in, that they tried to sell to the fan base, he didn't work out. He's injured. You bring back Cam and even bringing him back, you have the miserable performance um, at Miami with him and everyone involved, and you're 5-7, and seven, and things seem bleak. But the reality is still that the Carolina Panthers, and I know Cam says, don't let's not talk about the P word. Carolina Panthers are a game out of the playoffs. Now, they sit currently as the 10th team in the NFC. So they're still in the thick of things, and they have the tiebreaker over Atlanta and over New Orleans who are in the division. And if they win on Sunday, they'll be 3-0 and in the division. And every year, what do you hear coaches talk about? It all starts with the division. If you can win your division games, then you have a very good chance of going to the playoffs. And for the Carolina Panthers, when you look at it, that will be very true. While they might have lost to New York and gone 0-4 against the NFC East, and they have the loss to the Vikings, and all that's happened in the last couple weeks and couple months – if they are able to have success over the final five weeks within the NFC South, they will have a chance to play football in mid to late January. Will it happen? I don't 
think it's going to happen, but there is a chance for it to happen. It doesn't really matter what I say or what they say or what anyone says. It matters what they do. And if they do the right things that they've been hoping to get towards and they can build something and actually win some games moving forward, then they can get some positive momentum and maybe folks can be happy about what we have here in Charlotte opposed to looking at the offseason and the draft and complaining about the same things we complain about all season long. Like It's frustrating. I'm frustrated as, as frustrated as you and as anyone else who listens to the show who's a fan of this team. But none of us are more frustrated than the man that you want to fire and the players who go out there every week who you hate and don't think they're doing a good enough job. And yes, it's true. The O-line needs to be better. And it doesn't help that on Sunday, the offensive line is going to roll out there without a number of their top four guys. And John Miller, Michael Jordan, probably not going to play. Trent Scott, who's on the COVID list, probably not going to play. Cam Irving, yes, he'll be back at left tackle. I get it. You don't like Brady Christensen not getting the opportunity there. You don't understand the arm link thing. I've seen a tweet about Rashawn Slater, who looks like he's going to be a pro bowler, maybe even an all-pro already as a rookie at left tackle for the Chargers, how he has apparently shorter arms. The Panthers didn't think that he was a tackle, I guess. And there's also guys like Mel Kuyper Jr., who they, he's wrong and right all the time. There's plenty of teams out there who probably didn't project him as a left tackle, but he's done a fantastic job for the Chargers. Unfortunately, he's not here in Carolina. What good does it do anyone by constantly bringing that up and complaining about how the player you didn't get is having such a great opportunity elsewhere when the Carolina Panthers want the player that they wanted? And, hey, had J.C. Horn been healthy all season long, maybe we're not having the conversation um, the, uh, to the extent that we are having it right now and in the past when it, as it pertains to the left tackle and Rashawn Slater and all that kind of stuff. Also, if Detroit didn't take Panay Sewell, well, Panay Sewell is probably here at left tackle. Would he have played well enough? I don't know. Well, who knows what's going to happen, but he's not here. Slater's not here. We just got to move forward. And hopefully the Carolina Panthers on Sunday against Atlanta can find a way to get a win, to add some sort of positive momentum heading to the final four weeks against Buffalo, Tampa twice, and again on the road against New Orleans. All right, going to get to your mailbag questions here in just a moment after a few messages from the people who help us out and sponsor us here on the show. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry mint brownie, cherry double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. You friends of Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings with so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar in a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little, and give your beverage a little bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. 
be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand. Like some of the marshmallow treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's do it. Friday mailbag here again on Locked on Panthers. Again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where you can either at me or DM me your questions every single Friday that I answer unless we got a holiday. So coming up the rest of the month, since it is the 10th, that means the 24th will be Christmas Eve. Might get you one on Christmas Eve. Not quite sure yet, but I think I might get you one on Christmas Eve. Would I get you one on New Year's Eve? Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it because the... uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is the 30th. I record the day before, and folks, probably going to be busy all day doing some uh, some interesting things on the 30th, uh, especially if the Heels win. So not going to likely get one on the 31st, but I'll try and get you one. I'm going to get you one definitely next th- next Friday on the 17th, and then probably on the 24th, but the 31st, no, no chance. So just going to give you a heads up just right now, but please make sure to send in those questions throughout the week, and then I'll get them in. I, can, I don't, might not always answer them on Fridays, but I always try to find a way to answer any questions someone asks me, even if it's maybe a little old. I always try to get to it. So let's start off this week um, with James. James, who says, I listen to the podcast every day. It's posted. Keep up with the good work. Thank you, James, for the support. Now, I must humbly disagree with you. That rule needs a third year. His building process, he puts that in quotes, leaves a lot to be desired. Tell me why he needs one more year. I have many reasons against it. And James, you listen, so I will expect you to tweet at me after you hear this, and I want to hear what reasons that you have that rule should not come back. I have been, I guess, I'm not even really a supporter or a defender. I just don't really think it's time to be having the conversation of letting a coach go. David Tepper has plenty of money. So the seven-year, $60 million contract that he gave to Matt Rule, I don't think he's really all that concerned about whether he has to give Matt Rule a buyout. He knew very well that there was a this somewhat of a risk, or there's a certain risk that came to giving that contract, that sort of link, that if the coach did not pan out and he saw that it was never going to work, he could move on, and then he'd have to give up all that money. So, you know, he's it's not like he wasn't aware that that's a possibility. I just think for me... They played 28 games. Last year, the expectation, no one had any expectations. I understand people were mad as hell because of how they lost the games, but it's National Football League. Games are won and lost in one possession. I don't understand if folks thought for some reason it was going to be like college or teams get blown out because they're bad. That's just not what happens. You saw even with Detroit, they played a lot of close games this season. You've seen with Jacksonville, who has two wins, they played close games. You've seen who the hell the Jets have beaten this year, man. Come on. like It happens. It's National Football League. But they, either way, they went 5-11, and 11, and I thought that was a good first season. And the decision to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater, which came from the top, by the way, that's not necessarily Matt Rule. That comes from David Tepper. And they tried to get Stafford. They tried to go do a dance of Deshaun Watson multiple times, but because of legal reasons, they couldn't do that. And Tepper doesn't seem to be patient enough to wait for a rookie quarterback like a Mac Jones or a Justin Fields. The only other logical choice out there was Sam Darnold and hoping that He, a guy who was drafted third overall, could be redeemed and saved here in Carolina. And as we've seen, that did not work out. So, yes, I want to blame Matt Rule very much for the quarterback decision. I put a lot of it on him because it is his job and it is Scott Fitterer's job. And the way they've handled things has not been great. But also David Tepper, man, 
He has a large role in all this, and we cannot forget that. The guys he hired and told him to get another quarterback did a very bad job of getting a quarterback, so it all falls in them at the end of the day. But still, like Tepper, he's the one who precipitated all of that. Let's also understand that. But yes, we've seen a lot of the same things where Matt Rule doesn't call the plays on defense or offense. That means he's going to be a very good game manager. He has not necessarily been great. He's also a guy who's very young when it comes to coaching in the NFL, and where he's come from, Baylor and Temple, it's not like it's the highest of the highs. And Baylor, yes, they just won a Big 12 championship, but historically that's been a really bad program before Art Briles got there and then all the subsequent things that happened with that and then now in the rule and then now with Dave Aranda. So he has been a guy who has a proven track record of it being bad the first year. It gets about 500 the second year, and in that third year they have that huge jump. Because that's his track record, why would you not wait to see what happens next season? Why are people ready to jump off ship now? The Carolina Panthers have never had back-to-back winning seasons. So you're telling me now you're not patient enough to wait for a second-year head coach? Ron Rivera started off, what, 6-10, and 7-9, and and then 1-3 to start off his third season, and everyone wanted him fired. Then they go 12-4 and four the rest of that season. 7-8-1 and one next year, go to the playoffs, and then 15-1. and one. Three straight years going to the playoffs has never happened in Panthers history. Three, They went to the playoffs four out of five seasons. That's what Ron Rivera did. The same guy that you wanted to fire after the first four games of the 2020 of the 2014 or 13 season. Just be patient. I just don't think people are patient enough at all with coaches. It goes in the NFL, it goes to college, all this money gets thrown around. They want to do all the buyouts, but no one's willing to sit there and let a team develop and let a coach do his job. If after th- four seasons really for me, after 4 years, it's not moved in the right direction or not a playoff team, then fine, cut bait. But doing it after 2 and do it after three, I just think is so quick, in my opinion. I just don't understand why everyone is so quick to just be like, it's over, he's done, he's never going to work out, instead of allowing someone to grow into the job and allowing a young team that has never won anything, literally no one on this roster outside of Shaq and outside of like Christian have ever been on a winning team. But apparently they're supposed to all of a sudden know how to win when they have a, a young coaching staff that has not had that much NFL experience. And Matt Rule... We'll have to make changes this offseason, obviously, if they want to be where they want to be next year. So call me a rule defender, whatever you want. I just don't understand the reasoning behind wanting to cut bait with a new coach. Because what makes you believe if David Tepper got this one wrong, he's going to get it right the next time around? So just sit there and be patient, man. We've had a bunch of crap here in Carolina, so you you should be used to this kind of stuff and shouldn't be ready to fire a coach already. That's just kind of how I feel about it. I just... I don't know. I just go sick. I just get sick with everyone thinking that the only answer to anything is firing somebody, because that's worked out perfectly everywhere else. All right, um, Mike, and I appreciate you listening, James. But just I'm just so tired. I'm over it. I'm, it's been a long season. The ebbs and flows. I'm just I'm over all the conversation of fire rule, fire this person. They suck. This sucks. Just come on. All right, Mike. Hey, Julian. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, Mike. I'm from England and have been a fan of the Panthers from 2015 after meeting my now wife, who is from South Carolina, and I guess jumping on the bandwagon after Super Bowl appearance. Appearance. What are you going to do? Ha ha. Yeah, I get it. I know you aren't the biggest Darnold fan, not saying I am either, but do you think a good idea is for the Panthers to keep Cam for one more year and have him take Darnold under his wing to coach and improve him, and then he would become the franchise quarterback in years to come? It seems hard to imagine if we keep doing average every year with an average draft pick. It's hard to draft a top prospect quarterback in the draft, either that or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers next year. Love the show and your takes. Keep pounding and Merry Christmas. Thank you. Keep pounding to you. Merry Christmas to you, Mike, over there 
in England and oh great you got it you found a nice woman that's really cool to see um yeah the Darnold thing I just I think there's just enough out there after four years just to tell you that he's just not going to be a franchise quarterback and you can even go back to his last year at USC I just don't think that's going to work if you want to bring back Cam you want to bring in another quarterback that's fine um but I just don't know if Tepper wants to wait and the quarterback class this year uh, according to the experts, is not great, and we'll see how that plays out. I, I mentioned the 2018 class of Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, um, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson. Two of those guys are terrible. The other one, Baker, is pretty average to good, but pretty average. And then you got Lamar, who's been uh, MVP, could be MVP again this year. And then Josh Allen's had really one good year, and he's been you know solid for the most part this season. But none of those guys really turn out, other than Lamar, have turned out to be surefire franchise guys. And I get that Josh Allen got the la- the absorbent contract and Buffalo believes in him. But really, it's only been a really one good year where Lamar has been excellent since he stepped into the league. There hasn't been – he's the only guy of those five in the first round that had been excellent who stepped into the league. And the likelihood of that happening with his upcoming class apparently seems to be uh, pretty far-fetched especially when one of them who was supposed to be the top pick potentially going into the season, Spencer Rattler lost his job and is now transferring from Oklahoma. I don't think Sam Darnold has a future here in Carolina. He's only here because David Tepper uh, told them to get a new quarterback and they struck out on the other ones, like I mentioned before. Um, so no, I, I don't, I don't like that scenario at all. I, the hope probably is that they can get an Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers sees this as an appetizing place to come. And then the same thing with Russell Wilson, who's been behind a lot of bad offensive lines in Seattle, does he want to come here to another bad offensive line? Like, I think Denver, if anything, is in the best position to attract one of those two guys based off of just the franchise success that they've had there. Even if John or sorry, John Elway is not, taking, uh, is not the GM anymore, he still is part of the organization. But the success, the wide receivers that they have, the infrastructure, and especially that defense, and the defense here is good. I just don't know if anyone's going to look at the situation here in Carolina and think like, oh, yeah, I'm a quarterback, I'm going to step in here. Like, I don't think they're a quarterback away. That's the one thing that we got to understand. And I guess that kind of goes in hand, too, with the the whole angst about Matt Rule and wanting to fire him. Like, this team was never a quarterback away, but yet everyone wants to fire the head coach when they still have so many pieces that need to be fixed. And, yes, he is a part of the problem, absolutely. He, at the end of the day, takes the responsibility. They only have had a real GM for 10 months. Let's give Scott Fitter another offseason and see if he can fix his roster and if Matt Rule can coach these guys up next year. But no, I'm not in. I'm not in favor at all about bringing Sam Darnold back. So appreciate that, Mike. Um, okay, I'm going way too long on these answers. So going to take a quick pause here, and then I'll answer the rest of your questions here on the other side. It's the holiday season, and I know you're out there trying to find the perfect gift for your loved one. How about this? Stance. It's a brand new apparel company that just launched a new active apparel line. They have incredibly comfortable and well-made socks, shirts, joggers, and hoodies, and all sorts of great stuff that you want to wear here during the wintertime to stay warm. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and you'll get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and the comfort of life less ordinary with Stance.
Okay, let me get more of your mailbag questions in here. James, he says, how do you feel about rule trying to make, and he puts make in all caps, Christensen play guard, a position he's never played because of his arm length, even though Christensen and Jordan Gross had almost identical numbers at the combine, and obviously Gross is the best left tackle in Panthers short 27-year history. Thanks for the show. Listen daily. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what to tell y'all at, at this point. Like, they like him at, at, at guard. That's what they think his future is. He did have a good game at left tackle that one time. And here's just the the issue, I, I think, mainly when it comes to Brady Christian and where his position is. He hasn't been given an opportunity because what they wanted to do was just for him to sit back and to wait until next season to play a major role on this team. And also to find what position suits him best. It's been difficult to do that when there's been so many injuries throughout the offensive line all season long where he's played right tackle, he's played left tackle, he's played left guard, he's played right guard. They've moved him all over the place instead of having him just kind of master one position. And they like the versatility of him and on other offensive linemen. And that's what some of the things that they care more about than just putting someone at one position outside of, I guess, you know, Moten's primarily only played right tackle outside of that one game where they moved that left because they didn't want Brady Christensen to start his first career game at left tackle, which I understand, and I get it. He was an All-American at BYU. Last year, BYU didn't play anybody, so it's not like act like he you know, was incredible because of the competition he was going up the competition he went against was great. And that's why, you know, he should be left tackle, but he was a three-year starter at, at BYU. And I, I get that a player who's played primarily that position, you'd rather than play there at left tackle. And Rashawn Slater apparently doesn't have long arms. There's plenty of folks out there who thought that was going to be something that would hinder him. I don't know if Rashawn Slater is a better athlete than Brady Christensen. I would guess just based off of how well he's played at left tackle, he's got to be a pretty damn good athlete. And it's not like Brady's not a good athlete at all. And maybe down the road that they think that he should be the left tackle of the future. I just know right now that they're more comfortable with him at guard. And that's how they had him rated as a second-round guard and a third-round tackle. And I'm sure there's other teams out there that also had him rated pretty highly as a guard. And that's just the situation. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know better than them and that they should be playing him at left tackle. Cam Irving went healthy. He's a starting left tackle. He's been their best option this season, and I still believe that even if you have Christensen over there. I just don't want a rookie left tackle, and I get it. Slater, he's also a first-round pick, folks. He, he went 13th overall. Brady Christensen was not a first-round pick. And Slater also played the Big Ten. The Big Ten, there's a lot of dudes there. They play a, The best competition BYU plays is out of the Pac-12, and when's the last time you really hear about premier pass rush. I mean, yeah, I guess you got some. You got George Tryon, Schwenka, and some guys that come out of Utah who BYU plays every year. But there's not like it's been uh, the premier pass rushers really coming out of the Pac-12, and it's and especially defensive talent. So I don't really think that it's that big of a deal. Give them time to develop, and then next year maybe they want him at left tackle, but just clearly they just, that's what Matt Rule wants to do. They want to keep him at guard, and they wanted him to develop, and things just have not ideally worked out the way that he's wanted it to work out and the way, of course, the fans want it to work out with, with um, Brady Christensen. That's just that's the situation. So comparing him to Slater, I don't think it really makes a lot of sense because Slater is obviously far more talented, and he was a first-round pick. And, well, Christensen, not saying he's not talented, but the guy was a third-round pick for a reason. Um, all right, Brody. He says, if you had to choose, would you rather acquire Russell Wilson in the offseason or draft a young quarterback with our first-round pick like Kenny Pickett? Uh, not a huge Kenny Pickett fan, to be honest with you. Mark Wick Whipple, who uh, coached Ben Roethlisberger for a period of time, I think won a Super Bowl with him back in Pittsburgh as the OC and quarterback coach, 
did a fantastic job over the last three seasons developing Kenny Pickett. And that was the main reason why Kenny Pickett came back to Pitt this past year. And, of course, they went on to win the ACC championship. Hail to Pitt. Sorry, Wake fans. Not really. I hate you. Um, <laughs> Wake. I don't hate the fans. Well, you know. <laughs> Either way. Uh, Kenny Pickett looked really good this past year. There's a lot of bad the, the prior years. So I'm just kind of curious of just how real it was. But he really he played really well. And he... He had to play in an offense that asked him to go out there and to read defenses. And in most years, he wouldn't be a first-round pick. So that kind of is one of the things where do you really want to draft a guy who used, who probably would have been a mid-round pick last year or even in a good quarterback year, he'd probably be a second- or third-round pick. Do you want to get that guy as your first pick? Uh, probably not. But Matt Rule also has a, has a relationship with him in the past as he was formally committed to Temple back when Rule was there. David Tepper is also, as I mentioned, not a guy who wants to sit here and wait for a rookie to develop over three years. And that's what you're probably going to have to wait and see with Kenny Pickett or whoever you draft there um, in the first round. So I would obviously rather have the known commodity in Russell Wilson, the guy who has never been MVP, but has definitely put up MVP-level stats and has had to carry Seattle for years. And you're now seeing with him getting injured this year and just them not um, – committing to the offensive line and not having good defense just how difficult it is and just you give Russ a ton of credit for what he's been able to do over the last decade down up there in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle so yeah I would rather have Russell Wilson than Kenny Pickett come on Uh, but thank you for uh, the questions as always Brody let's see Steve he said hey Julian I propose that they draft all offensive linemen next year what do you think (laughs) Hey, why not, Steve? They drafted all defensive players out one year in 2020. Why not get all offensive linemen? They did draft two last year. We have yet to see Deontay Brown, and hopefully over the next couple weeks, if the injuries are still there, we get a chance to see Deontay Brown. But also, hopefully, we don't get to see him because then maybe that gives the Carolina Panthers a better chance to win, and you're not throwing a rookie out there late in the season in December when you're still technically in a playoff race. And I think that's still something that they want to get to and they want to do. So there's a positive and a negative to to potentially getting Deontay Brown. But yes, that first pick they should use absolutely an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle. Evan Neal would make sense, the Alabama guy. Um, Kenyon Green, who's a guard at AM. Anyone, please just get a, t- yeah, offensive lineman, very, absolutely first round pick. And then if they can trade in to the top 100 outside in the second or third round, another offensive lineman. If they want to use every pick on offensive lineman, I wouldn't hate that at all. So I'm kind of there with you, Steve. And he also said, let's hope we can sweep Atlanta this year. It's been a long time. I agree. That would be great to at least get that. All right, two more, and they're not really all that serious. But um, Alex, he said, what's the best farmer's market in Charlotte that's open at 1 p.m. on Sunday? I went to uh, charlottesgotalot.com to go check out the uh, farmer's market selection. Not a great selection. I've always made the joke that when the Panthers aren't very good, that people should go out to the farmer's market on Sunday as opposed to watching the game. I'm really just encouraging folks to – Go outside and enjoy their days. Here in North Carolina, we're going to have, what, 61-degree weather on Sunday, I think. It's going to be, yeah, 62 on Sunday. Wait, that's next Sunday. Yeah, 62 on Sunday. It's going to be super nice. Why would you not go outside and enjoy your day, opposed to watching a team that's going to frustrate you? So uh, and to answer your question, Alex, if you want to hit the uh, farmer's market up, there's not great selection, but there is Mecklenburg County Market that's open from noon to five on Sunday. So you can spend your entire afternoon there checking out some fresh produce and getting some uh, great things from our local vendors here in Charlotte. Go support local folks. And final question of the week comes from Jacob, who says, love the pod. Every day I listen with my daughter. Oh, great, Jacob. I hope uh, your daughter likes it, too. <laughs> or does she even have a choice? 
hopefully she will die a heart die hard well hopefully she will be a diehard Panthers fan like me. Yes, hopefully she will. But also, man, why would you pass it on to her? <laughs> Bless her heart. Um, not a Panthers question, but who are you pulling for on Saturday? UNC or Elon? Hashtag keep pounding. Um, yeah, for the folks who know, my alma mater is Elon University, and we are playing a basketball game in Chapel Hill against the North Carolina Tar Heels. The last time Elon and Carolina faced off in Chapel Hill, Elon led then top 10 ranked Carolina at half. Uh, we did find out later on that Carolina team was not very good. I think we found out that night that the Carolina team was not very good. That team that went 14 and 19 and missed the, uh, the NCAA tournament, even though there was no tournament. So technically they didn't miss a tournament because there was no tournament in 2020. Um, I've told this to my parents. I've told this to other people when Eli and Carolina play in basketball and I'm a huge Carolina fan, always have been, always will be. I want to see the alma mater win. I have over 100,000 reasons to want Elon to win in basketball. <laughs> so I would like for them to win. Do I expect them to win? No. Elon has yet to beat a Division One opponent so far this season, and I doubt it's going to be Carolina on Saturday night, but I will be rooting for them. The ultimate test, though, would be if Carolina and Elon ever met in the NCAA tournament. And mainly it would be like if it was a 5-12 matchup where Elon actually had a chance to win. In that scenario, I don't know what I would do. A couple years ago, I'm a big college baseball fan. A couple years ago, Elon had a really good baseball team. Uh, they have a kid, George Kirby, who got drafted in the first round. He's currently in the Mariners system. They also had another guy, Kyle Bronovich, who I think was like a fifth-round pick, but he had played for the collegiate national team the summer prior in Cary, which is huge. So you got two top pick, uh, pay, top, um, I don't know, you got two really good pitchers, <laughs> whatever the hell the word I was looking for. You got two really good pitchers. And then they also had a pretty good offense. And I was like, hey, man, if they get to the regionals, they're likely going to play in Chapel Hill. They end up losing to Wilmington, and Wilmington ended up actually playing in the regional in Chapel Hill and almost beat Carolina that year. But I told my parents that year, I was like, look, I'm going to want Elon to win because Carolina's pitching ain't great. Carolina that season had been pretty up and down. They were able to host a regional and a super regional where they embarrassed me by being down like oh like 10 nothing in the first inning against Auburn on a game that would have sent them to the College World Series. I wanted Elon because Elon had two really good pitchers and we had a chance to do something we'd never done in school history. And on Saturday night, we have a chance that we'd never done in school history uh, to go to Chapel Hill and to beat a team. And I would love to see them beat Carolina on Saturday night. But also, I kind of don't want them to beat Carolina because I don't want Carolina to lose Elon because it's not great for a team in, in year one of Hubert Davis who cannot have a loss like that on his resume in his first year at Carolina. So to answer your question, yes, I will be rooting for Elon on Saturday night, knowing full well that Hunter McIntosh and Chris Wooten and the boys are probably not going to get it done. And Zach Irvin, too. Hey, if Elon can shoot so Carolina doesn't defend, the Phoenix could light up the scoreboard from three-point range. Will it happen? Unlikely, but, you know, it'll be fun either way to watch. All right, that wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Google Podcasts. Also, um, on Spotify, Stitcher, and all of the great podcast platforms out there like Podbean. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where I can answer your questions next Friday on our weekly Friday mailbag. So either at me or DM me. But in the meantime, enjoy your weekend. Take care. Be warm. Be safe. And I will talk to you all on Sunday following a Panthers victory against the Falcons.